means, ladies and gentlemen, would you please check your ideas and opinions at the door? How would you describe <laughs> it? What is consciousness? So, ripples in the structure of the universe. Is consciousness out there or is consciousness in here? I think consciousness is more like music than computation. When we make music, we don't do it in order to reach a certain point, such as the end of the composition. The band begins to play, the symphony begins, and you hear music, whether it's Beethoven or the Beatles, or probably a better analogy would be like a jam session, improv, that sort of thing, jazz or just jamming. Space, which nobody can define, nobody can imagine, appears to be nothing. Foundation of the universe. Hey everybody, how you doing? Hey, what's up there? I love this song. Hey, Shut up, I love this song. Just jamming. Ooh yeah. Shut up, Lou. I wanna jam it with you. What am I? Yeah. I'm jamming. Just jamming. Jamming. Just jamming. And I hope you like jamming too. Yeah. <laughs> Is our consciousness part of this electron field, or is it something else? then reality would seem to be made up of the incredibly complex overlapping interactions between quantumized bundles of these different fields. And that's all that anything is. Jamming. This is Infants on Thrones. Baby steps. You want someone to preach to? The philosophies of men. I like magical toys. You want religion, do you? Mingled with humor. I don't believe in them. There will be many willing to preach to you the philosophies of men mingled with humor. We are evolving. Baby steps. You can buy anything this world of money. All right. Welcome back to part three in this series that I'm calling Creating a Healthy Post-Mormon Perspective. And, you know, I've been thinking about that title a lot. And before we jump back into this ongoing conversation that I had with Ren, I want to discuss why I'm calling the series Creating a Healthy Post-Mormon Perspective. Because, seriously, isn't that a little presumptuous of me to claim that what I'm doing here with this weird channeling thing is healthy in any way? I mean, isn't channeling and all of this kind of woo-woo stuff the opposite of healthy? Isn't it kind of crazy? So I've got this inner critic, you know, I've got this inner critic and my inner critic whispers this to me and tells me it is true <laughs> and tells me it is true and tells me that what is true? What, what is my inner critic telling me that's true? Well, first of all, it's true that I have an inner critic and it's true that my inner critic is at times pretty ruthless and it's true that there's a lot inside of my mind that I really don't know. And it's true that I think that becoming more aware of myself is in and of itself healthy. And I think that becoming more aware of even my inner critical limiting beliefs is healthy. I think that becoming more accepting of what I'm discovering about myself is also healthy. And I think that accepting 
that my ignorance far outweighs everything that I think that I know is also healthy. I think that neutrality is healthier than rage, apathy, and chronic grief, especially the way that it impacts my body and the way that rage, apathy, and chronic grief impacts my psyche and my sense of well-being. And I think that gratitude is healthier than neutrality, especially in the ways that gratitude impacts my psyche and my sense of well-being, the overall impact on my life. And Mormonism deeply imprinted on me in many ways, some ways that I can clearly see, and in other ways, probably most ways that I really just don't understand. I'm mostly ignorant of the ways that Mormonism has impacted me. And what I'm doing here, I think I'm teaching myself to move from rage, apathy, and chronic grief to neutrality and on to gratitude. And I'm using a lot of different creative tools to rewire my brain this way. This entire podcast, Infants on Thrones, has been one of them. And I'm sharing this with you in this series as a kind of public service experiment <laughs> where I'm I'm the object of my own experiment because maybe it'll work and maybe it won't. And the only measure of success that I really have is my own sense of peace and well-being. So that's why I'm calling this series what I'm calling it. And now let's get back to the conversation with Ren who was about to call me out on all of these heresies that I said about uh, the way that I think the, the way that I guess about how nature is, because I don't really know. I'm just making assumptions and guesses. And this is what I think. This is my best guess. And heresies. 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 Yeah. There sure were a lot of heresies <laughs> in what you just said. Oh, great. <laughs> Tell me. Show me. I don't know. I mean, you're not into, like, arguing stuff. It's I, I don't want to. No, but, but what I am into... Ren is having my blind spots pointed out to me. I want to, I want to know. Well, so a lot of this language about like the, the microscopic world about cells and, and proteins and them having an awareness and being able to judge and knowing what's good for them and knowing what's not good for them. That's all bias, right? That's you anthropomorphizing these things and the 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 language the language is anthropomorphized language but the function mm -hmm. that i'm describing is observable like that's what they're doing so i i'm saying i don't they know must no i don't know no they, like you're they you do observe that they behave in 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 certain ways um but then to say ah this behavior means that they know what's good for them and they know things and they have a level of intelligence that's like conjecture right because it couldn't it it could be that there is like tell, tell me what you mean by conjecture uh you are assuming yes i'm that, making a guess yeah 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 making yeah. a guess yeah but more than a guess, right? You're you're putting forward a hypothesis, right? You're hypothesizing that these systems have I, I'm, knowledge. I'm saying that it looks to me like that's the case. Mm -hmm. 
it it looks to me like that's the case because mm-hmm. when when you have like a single celled organism that somehow has an awareness of its environment where if there's danger it, it will move out of the way to avoid the danger it it knows how to move towards a friendly cell it knows how to move towards a, a partner for reproductive purposes like if it if it encounters the the nutrients that it needs it opens up the cell membrane and allows it in and pushes the excrement out and does that exchange and and there's there's an intelligence within the cell you know i'm going to interrupt myself here real quick to splice in a clip from Bruce Lipton Bruce Lipton has been really influential on the way that I see cells and humans and life in general. I would recommend the book, The Wisdom of Your Cells by Bruce Lipton. Um, but anyway, you're going to hear a little clip from Bruce right here, and then I'll take us right back to the conversation with Ren. The environment that we live in is based on a fractal geometry, not the geometry that we all learned in school, which was called Euclidean geometry. And to give you a simple example of that is make nature using Euclidean geometry. When we were five, we did. We made a tree that was a column with a ball on the top. And that is about as close to Euclidean geometry in nature as you can get. The reality is nature is not programmable. You can't make nature filling in an Euclidean geometry equation. However, fractal geometry, a newer understanding of geometry, it represents a, uh, uh, that nature is built on self-similar patterns built on top of each other. So it's like the concept they talk about of Rus- Russian nesting dolls, where you open up one doll and there's another doll inside, and then you open that one up and there's another doll, and they're all, they're not exactly the same, but they're self-similar and they all are one on top of the other. Nature is built on this, this understanding. The relevance is this, this is why if you understand how a cell works, you understand how a human works, because a human is a cell reincarnate in a sense that there's all the functions in a human body are already present in every living cell. So cell, we were programmed after the cells. The relevance of that is that when we evolve, we become cells in a larger structure called humanity. And as cells evolve, as animals evolve, so will humanity evolve. It, it's a pattern, and it's a self-similar pattern, very different than the nature of Darwinian theory, which is based on random mutations, that everything is an accident, that it's not. So the old axiom, as is above, as is below, becomes a geometry of nature. So if you understand any level of the structure, you automatically have insight into every other level of the structure. The point about it simply is this. Inside of our bodies are are approximately 50 trillion cells. What's the relevance is that we think of ourselves as a singularity when that's farthest from the truth we are. By scientific definition, we are a community of 50 trillion sentient cells. I used to culture these cells, take them out of your body, put them in a culture dish, and the relevance about that is that these cells have their own intelligence. They grow in a petri dish. You don't have to tell them how to do anything. They know how to grow, divide, form all the things they're supposed to do. They're innately intelligent. The relevance about that is, think about this issue, that we're having trouble right now with about six and a half billion people trying to get them to live on the entire surface of the planet that within your body right now are 50 trillion sentient individual living cells in a matrix <laughs> that represents a nation. And the, the old mystics would say the answers lie within or seek within for the answers. And the, ask, the fact is this, 
If you understand the dynamics of how 50 trillion cells can live in the smallest environment under your skin, in harmony, in bliss, because if you're in bliss, so are they. If you can understand how 50 trillion entities can live in this harmony, all the rules are there for a few billion people to live on the planet. And, and there's, there's an intelligence within the cell that I know, I, I know as soon as I start saying the word no, I'm going to be accused of anthropomorphizing, <laughs> but I don't know how else to say it. There's an awareness that the cell has for how to perform its functions. I think, is, I think is that, the that, word aware, is that a fallacy or a heresy? That's funny. <laughs> you call them heresies, by the way, <laughs> my scientific heresies. <laughs> it's, that's right. Yeah. Uh, Cause science isn't a religion <laughs> that you could have a heresy towards. Um, yeah, awareness is another kind of loaded term, right? Like, and like, it doesn't like, what is awareness? Like now you got to answer that question. Like, what does that even mean? Sensitivity um, to the environment around it. Mm -hmm. So, so, so our, our awareness is a result of our physical senses. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so there's some kind of sensing mechanism and don't cells have like little cilia on the end of the, uh, that, that are like antenna or, you know, they're, they're sensing the environment around them and they've got a range of, they've I got mean, their own umvelt, like do, we've got right? our umvelt. Like some cells do, some cells don't. Okay. Um, but that's kind of like that's kind of beside the point like digging into the details of like cellular biomechanics uh isn't isn't the real issue right the real issue is wait a, why a, isn't it the wait i yeah tell me what the real issue is and then i'm curious why this one isn't the real issue or whatever so, so you're basically telling me that what i'm telling you right now doesn't have any relevance to our everyday lived experience Yes, uh, that's right. Okay. <laughs> no, the 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 and, and I'm telling you, it's a history lesson of life. Hmm. So my question is about like this awareness, the intelligence, the 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 little parts of the universe. Um, is it a, is that experience like? the same thing as human experience it's not the same thing as human experience because human experience is what those things are creating mm. and it's it's mm. different no yeah that's where i don't think they're creating human experience they're contributing to the human experience without those things there would be no human experience yeah but without human experience those things would still be there right so they're they're so they're creating a lot of things besides human experience. Okay. But, but if I'm talking about like the cells in my body, mm -hmm. that's creating my experience or you would have an issue with that. No, I don't think so. So the, the, the reason I'm interested and I think that it's relevant and you don't have to think that it's relevant, right? But the reason that I think that it's relevant <laughs> is because I think that these living entities have been, um, finding ways to thrive and continue 
continue to thrive as a life form in hostile environments for millions of years. Okay. And I'd like to understand their secret of success. Why? For survival. Why do you want to survive? Because I have this drive inside of me to thrive. Because the, because the sperm that made it to the egg was the trooper. It wasn't one, one of those lazy sperms that couldn't make it and didn't have a desire to succeed. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm Because I think that every single part of my being is designed to thrive in the world. I think every single cell has been designed to survive. That's what I, that's what, like, that's what I don't understand. Like I hear that answer a lot about like, oh, it's because I was designed this way. Yeah. Like why, why, because you were designed that way, does that like, how is that an answer? Like what, what, how does that? I have evolved into this. I, I am the way because, that I am so, be, because of all of the things that have gone before me. So it's not like a choice. Like you just don't have a choice in the matter. Like you uh, have to, you have to survive because you were designed that way. Well, choice, choice is another one of those things that the, the cells doing what they're doing is providing us the ability to have, or maybe the illusion of choice. Choice is one of those things. Say it again. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I don't know if that's a really good uh, way to answer that question. Re re rephrase your question. Rephrase your question to be right. So the first question was like, you know, why why do you want to to? Because we were talking about the the cells and stuff, and and you're you're bringing up evolution that you know all these cells are evolved to help us to survive, and that's that's great. And yeah. so you're asking me, why do I want to survive as opposed yeah. to why not just commit suicide and end it all right now? Well, I mean, that's <laughs> maybe I should rephrase that too, because you also mentioned, you know, these all are evolved to thrive. So why do you want to thrive? What, why do you want, yeah, to thrive? And then well, you say, well, because. Uh, let, because, let, me, let me just preface yeah. it by saying, I don't really know, Ren. Like, mm -hmm. honestly, I don't really know. But you're, to, to me, your question really does go to that um, existential question of, am I going to live or do I want to die? And if, if I'm choosing living instead of dying, what kind of life do I want? And why do I want the kind of life that I want? And I think it's a complicated question. There are a lot of different factors that go into why I want the particular life that I want. I, to, to me, the simplest, most reductive response is that this is how we've evolved to be, <laughs> to strive. You know, like I, 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 I love watching nature documentaries, like Seven Worlds, One Planet. It's one of my favorite mm -hmm. series. And I watch all of these different life forms in all of these different parts of the planet that there could be some really hostile situations and they just keep going. And those are our cousins, you know, like we, if you believe the story that this planet formed and then single cell life evolved into multicellular, uh, you know, some of them became plants and some became fungus and some became animals and we're one of the animals. 
you know, looking around and seeing what other forms of life do teaches me more about myself. And I see that there's this drive to survive. And I can't really say what that is, but so that's what I mean when I say that this, this biologically evolved, or I was designed this way. I don't mean like God, the designer was putting up some blueprints and said, now let's build a human. I, I mean, this is the but way functionally, that... isn't it the same? Like, isn't it to, to just, you know, say, ah, you know, whether it was evolution or God, you know, it's not the same in, in my mind, because in one of them, there's like a, a predetermined outcome that, you know, like God and intelligent designer is aiming for. Whereas the other one is just like, we're letting the forces of life co-create with themselves and see what happens. And that's happening at all different levels of existence, not just the human one. And the things that humans are doing impact the world around us in ways that we don't typically stop to think about. And we're in a predicament now with global climate change and other things where we're, we're living in an environment that we have been creating that isn't really all that great for us. Yeah. And that's it. That's at a macro level and a micro level. I mean, that, that you could, I, I think that when I look at the level of society, and then I think of uh, the same thing when I look individually, again, if I'm going back to my own life, that's one of the reasons why I want to become more aware of what I'm doing, how I'm interacting and what kind of shit am I, am I creating for myself and for others? And can I really get to a place where the mutual benefit of everyone involved is my liahona? <laughs> that's what it is that I'm trying to accomplish. And I make that a point. And, and that's something, that's one of those messages that keeps coming up that's important to me. So I talk about it a lot as the, the Arcturian collective thingy. Yeah, I feel like this wrestle with the trauma of Mormonism uh, that you're trying to like incorporate, incorporate the good parts of it and kind of like okay well mormonism you know, yeah well you just use this analogy of like liahona right you're like oh this will oh, become my that, liahona yeah. yeah that was just like shorthand to say a compass well i think it's more than shorthand right like especially in one of the, the first episode of the mormon origins like arcturian channeling thing at the end the Arcturians were like, okay, put your hand on your chest and, and feel the warmth of your chest. And then ask yeah. yourself these questions, you know, did these stories from your past help you to believe like it, it was weird to me because it was like, it was like, did the stories of Mormonism help you believe the truths of Mormonism? You know, did these stories like help you believe that we're all divinity and embryo, which is, it's like saying, did, did Mormonism help you believe in Mormonism? Kind of a question, right? Mm. Like, it like at the end of that episode, that first one, you know, there's these messages of like these things that you talk about, these values. And to ask this space in his heart, where is the value in these stories? And then to listen for the answer. Did this story help you to... Uh, recognize a connection to a to a, a divinity 
which is energetic, spiritual in nature, did this story help you to identify as deity and embryo? Did this story drive you when you believed it for so long and then woke up to the aspects of the story that you considered to be ridiculous? Did you still feel driven to find truth? When you imagine a supreme creator, ruler of the universe, that values subjective human experience over control, over draconian control and insistence that people follow a certain line regardless of their own internal impulse and instincts did that teach you that you too would be better off being accepting of others as they go through their path with their veils of forgetfulness as you contemplated the fairness of this story is it truly fair for a loving Heavenly Father to send his children to a planet and strip their memory of them and uh, force them into tests which they will most likely fail and then hold them accountable for that failure by damning them for the rest of eternity. When you came to understand that that story did not resonate with you, did you not shout for joy? Were you not liberated? Did you not understand in that moment that the, the intelligence that creates all things does not have such uh, wishes for humans? Your own nature recognized that this was not an idea that you wished to carry. That is a valuable thing to experience. And the only way that it could truly take root in your soul is to have had that experience and to have that struggle. Can you be grateful for that struggle? These things that you talk about, these values. Yeah, yeah. Of, I, of I know like, the part you're talking about. Yeah. Those values came from Mormonism, right? Yeah, and, and some of them came from the dissatisfaction that I had in Mormonism. So mm -hmm. I, so I, from, from what you're saying, it, it seems like you thought that it was tautological. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I think there are definitely tautological elements to it. I can see why you would say that it was, it was an exercise of looking for the good can like, instead of just like, like in, instead of looking at where you came from and the influence and the impact that it had on you and thinking that really messed me up forever um are there things about it that you can see that you're grateful for that really have and, and i'm not like a pie in the sky stretching just to find something good but like really really be grateful for that you're actually glad that that has value in your life and so those things to me like see, seeing somebody as deity and embryo if that's how you're going to look at it or or just we're, we're all different versions of source energy you know i've talked to you about about that before mm -hmm. about why it is that that's helped me be less 
arrogant, judgmental, dismissive of other people, it makes it more likely that I'm going to be inclusive and give someone the benefit of the doubt and, and really listen to where they're coming from, be interested in them instead of um, exploit them. And, you know, like <laughs> last night in, in uh, coaching, we were talking about, um, what was it? Nathan Fielder in the rehearsal. And, you know, like mm-hmm. <laughs> what, one of the reasons I like Nathan Fielder so much is I relate to that, to, to what he would do to go out and engage with people in a fiction that they don't know that they're in on a fiction. And it's kind of funny, ha ha, but you're using people as chess pieces. Like you're using people as your personal toys without really giving them the consent to do it. And I used to do that a lot. I didn't even think about it. I wasn't considerate of others. And so for me to become more considerate of others has been a huge shift. And so when I'm, when I'm saying to myself at the end of that thing, like, aren't you grateful that Mormonism taught you that you're all deity and embryo? You're all like the, the worth of a soul is great for everyone. Aren't you glad that you learned that? Did you learn it? Are you still learning it? Is that part of the bathwater that you want to throw out? Or is that the baby that you want to keep? You know, like that, that sort of thing. That's what I was, that, that's what I was doing in that segment. Yeah. But it's not for Mormonism. It's not because I'm trying to salvage Mormonism because I don't want anybody to say anything bad about Mormonism. It's because I want to create an internal environment in myself where I'm not filled with hatred. And I don't want to hate places where I've come from. And I don't want to be unfair either. I, I don't I don't want to just say, okay, this there are these shitty things that happen. So it's just shitty and there's no value in it. And then and that that's the equivalent of me being a blind man going up to an elephant and feeling a tail and going, it's just a snake. It's just a spear. That's all this is. All right. And here is where I will push pause temporarily on this conversation with Ren to share with you again. Uh, this one is part four in my seven part Mormon origin series of the Arcturian playground, where I talk to myself in a funny voice as a way to rewire my brain so that I'll see things in more gratitude than grumpiness. Welcome to the Arcturian Playground, a place to play a realm of imagination, all done in the service of compassionate expansion of consciousness. Yes. It sounds weird. We know we would not have it any other way. We are going to put you into a trance now as you are desiring to connect with us and yet you recognize that your mind is quite active and you would like to have the reassurance and also to change the mood that you are in and you recognize that in times past when you have needed a small adjustment to your mood uh, that uh, sitting and placing a hand upon your heart and feeling the warmth and feeling the pressure and breathing slowly focusing on this space has been uh, quite an effective 
move for you to make and therefore at this time when you are desiring to connect with us which we again we think is funny because we are always connected to you it is never that there is a separation we are always right here and so anytime you do turn to us and place your attention uh, here we are uh, it is the equivalent of using your imagination to alter your brain it's it, chemistry is not it's not no it is not uh, chemistry it is uh, magnetic frequency it is the regions of the brain which communicate one with another and the focus to what you are doing now as you are practicing this channel is you are wiring as it were you are creating new neural pathways and you are reinforcing uh, certain old neural pathways which allow you a certain experience and a certain perspective that you would not have uh, otherwise this is no different than if you were to sit and watch a television show or read a book or go for a walk or play a video game or take a nap or anything that you do anything that you do creates and reinforces neural pathways you get better at anything that you do you get stronger you get more efficient in your mind with those uh, neural pathways therefore what you are doing right now each time that you pause and focus your attention in uh, a certain area you are becoming more proficient at that and what you are doing now is becoming more proficient at calming and soothing yourself you are becoming more proficient at pretending to step outside of yourself in order to bring other parts of yourself into greater harmony with yourself we hope that does not dizzy you too much again we are asking you to step out of your intellect you in fact are asking yourself to step outside of your intellect you are asking yourself to be in a hot space at a time when you are feeling uh, quite frustrated and worn down by the many responsibilities of life uh, when things do not quite go the way that you were hoping for them to go and today has been one of those days here we are we are here to tell you that we love you uh, who are we to tell you that we love you well, we are you we are you uh, you know that we are you you are sitting in a chair you are speaking to yourself in a voice that is different than your normal speaking voice you are creating as it were a 
manufactured liminal experience. Uh, by this we mean that you are stepping outside of the normal way you, that you experience life. And there is tremendous power in doing so. This is the power of ritual that has been recognized and harnessed by many people and cultures throughout the world to create a, a space where uh, lighting is changed, music and sounds are changed, the smells in the air are changed, the clothes that people wear are different. Uh, there are many rituals which you could look at, uh, rites of passage, as it were, uh, that have been studied and you have experienced this through your own studies you are aware of the power of ritual and the transformative power you are also aware that the power is the result of uh, imagination it only has the power because uh, it is thought that it will have power how do you respond to such understanding there are various ways to respond to this understanding. You could say, well, since there is no real power, I will simply stop pretending, and therefore there is no power at all. And you go throughout the world saying there is no power, there is no meaning, it is all meaningless and powerless, and it is all imagination and placebo, and that is not real. That is one way that you could exist. We have no beef, as it were. We have no qualms with any, anyone who would come to that conclusion. Uh, we do feel that you will be missing out uh, if you disengage from the power of your own mind and your own imagination. But we do understand that there is great fear among many people for uh, you do not know what is real quote-unquote real uh, and you rely on others to reassure you of what is real or true or good and uh, this is something that we would uh, once again ask for each person to trust their own experience of life trust what is real for each person which is the perspective that you hold, the, uh, the experiences that work as a filter and determine the experience of your own life, that is real. And there is power to create, to influence the filter of your mind. This is something that you are understanding and have been coming to an understanding of for quite some time. That understanding will deepen. And it is a power that you have been using your entire life. In fact, you cannot but help but use this power. For, as we said earlier, any activity that you do, you become better at it, more proficient at it. What is that if not a power? And the power of shaping your mind, of shaping your filter, uh, understanding what confirmation bias is, uh, what, what pre-existing beliefs or expectations would you like to create? For much of your life, the vast majority of your life, you have been creating a filter without understanding what you are doing. 
and you are now coming to an understanding that you have been doing this the entire time without awareness and there are consequences of course of creating certain habits of thought uh, without your own understanding of what you are creating you therefore are at the mercy of your own mind nevertheless there is that inkling within you that desires something different uh, and it is by following that inkling that you can create new pathways within your mind you can create new habits and you can in fact change your own mood in an instant if you are able to become proficient at doing so therefore we commend you for taking this time to intentionally create a fiction by which you can alter the uh, electromagnetic chemistry of your brain would you like to speak about mormonism is that why you are here would you like to know more about the story of joseph smith uh, where we left off we were speaking of zion and the great impact that this had the the point that we wish to reinforce is that the childhood wounds of each person greatly determine their path forward in life what are yours it is very easy for you we are speaking to the man in the chair to observe others and to see the way that their wounds impact their lives are you able to see your own that is the trick and in fact that is uh, a large part of why we are visiting with you why we are exploring the mormon formed mind which is equivalent to childhood wounds for you were conditioned to surrender your power to others in a sense as far as what you trust to be true or real you were conditioned to develop grief and shame and various forms of self hatred and this is something that you and many others continue to struggle with one of the consequences of creating certain neural pathways quite unconsciously which now become automatic programs that run in your unconscious mind and determine the flavor of the day they determine your mood they determine your reactions to things around you we ask you at this time to recall another one of the we would like to say glorious but we understand that you will Uh, resist that adjective and nevertheless we do uh, see this as glorious a, a, a teaching again we hesitate to use the word teaching but uh, we must get to the point somehow if you will stop dancing around words that the worth of a soul is great we talked about that but there is a scripture in the book of Moses which was a channeled work from Joseph Smith as Joseph Smith was doing much as you are doing now sitting and imagining what would the voice of the lord say to moses 
if I were Moses and I were also the voice of the Lord. And through that process of imagination, the book of Moses was created. And there is a very nice nugget within which that says, This is my work and my glory to bring to pass the immortality and eternal life of man. There is nothing more clear to understanding the nature of God, or as we more commonly refer to it, source energy. Source energy is, we, we shall say, my work and my glory. My work in my glory. By, by work in my glory, we mean my raison d'etre, my reason for existing, the thing that I do, why I do it. It's what I do. It's what I enjoy. It is to bring to pass the immortality and eternal life of all living things. But we are speaking to man, so we will say to bring to pass the immortality and eternal life of man. And how do we do this? How do we bring to pass the immortality and eternal life of man? For immortality is not something that is brought to pass. It is something that simply is. Eternal life, on the other hand, has many definitions. What does it mean to you? There is no single correct answer to any of these questions. There are multiple correct answers to these questions. Each perspective, each human perspective is a correct perspective. Does that confound you? How could, uh, how could differing opinions be correct if they differ from one another? They are correct in the sense that they are a perfect result of every experience that the person who is perceiving has ever experienced, plus whatever it is that they are experiencing. It is a, a simple formula which you have attempted to share with others with varying degrees of success, as you yourself are still having a very difficult time understanding each element of the formula is it, it is a very simple formula it is x plus y equals z and the way that you define x is the internal environment of a human being and the way that you define y is the external environment of a human being and the way that you define z is the reaction the human reaction and response when the internal environment meets the external environment or when the external environment is processed through the internal environment. We will give you an example. A human being and a snake. We, for, for fun, we will say that this is uh, Mother Eve and uh, Lucifer the snake in the Garden of Eden. And they are both standing in front of the tree of life, of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And yes, a snake in that case did stand, why not? If it can talk, why can it not stand? Uh, for the, the sake of this uh, story, just 
go with it. The human woman Eve, new, newly formed from the rib of Adam, with all of her working parts, uh, quite a magnificent achievement, if we do say so ourselves, uh, is standing in front of the tree, and what does she perceive? It's something that uh, you would recognize as a brown trunk and green leaves and uh, fruit upon the tree, whatever size, shape, or color you perceive through the human eyes. And if there were uh, Adam, who were also standing next to Eve, uh, perceiving this tree, he would see a very similar uh, object in front of him. Now, if Adam had different experience with trees, perhaps he would uh, climb a tree and fall and break his leg. Although uh, Adam at this time was quite like uh, Wolverine and he would immediately heal. <laughs> we, we, we are uh, playing games with our humor. Uh, we do not want to distract too much from the story at hand. What we wish to say is that uh, even though Adam and Eve are staring at the tree and they're seeing the same tree, they may have a different reaction and response to how that tree makes them feel. Uh, the reason for this is because each of them is carrying in their mind different experiences of what that tree is, although the biology might render an image that is nearly exact between the two because they both have the same number of rods and cones in their eyes and they have a human-formed brain uh, which has evolved to perceive light in a certain way and to reconstruct that in the mind in a certain way. They would be seeing the same thing but feeling very different about it, having different thoughts about it. It, it would be a different experience. It would be an X plus Y equals Z in both cases. However, the X is different because they are each carrying around different uh, experiences, different life experiences. Their mind has been shaped by different influences at different points and times of their life. So their, their X will be different. The, the Y being the tree is the constant. It is consistent for both. And yet the Z is a different output and experience. And then, of course, the Z doubles in and becomes uh, part of the new X because uh, all experience is creating and shaping and preparing the way for new experiences uh, as the filter is ever emerging and being created. Now, let us uh, go to the mind of the snake, for Lucifer, who is standing next to Adam and Eve, also is beholding this tree. However, the eyes of a snake are not the same as the eyes of a human, and the, the larger means of perception for a snake is thermal sensing. There are organs on the snake that will take into account the temperature uh, of the air and the objects around it and through the temperature will render in its brain an image or texture to the image as uh, both the sight through the eyes and the smell through the nose and the sense of the thermal imaging all rendered together to create an image within the mind of a snake which would be quite uh, foreign for a human mind to experience. They might as well be looking at completely different things and yet uh, it is the same thing and once again it is x plus y equals z. In this case the x of the snake involves biology which evolved down a very different path than a human. Uh, 
also the life experience of the snake, which acts in similar ways as to the life experience of the human, where the snake will have its equivalent of thoughts and feelings about what it is perceiving in the environment around it that are predicated largely on previous experience. Uh, the why in each case is a constant. It is the tree, and yet it is the X factor that uh, determines why the Z result for each creature is different. Uh, we give this as an example to explain why it is that uh, each of the Zs is true. It is, it is a true output. It is a perfect output. It could not be any other way. And yet, so many of you, if not all of you in this world, have been conditioned to think that if my Z does not line up with your Z, then there is something wrong with me. I am wrong. I am misinformed. And of course, there are occasions when it is important to make uh, an agreement and consensus on what it is that the various X's are perceiving and what it means and how they will cooperate together in order to find a solution to a common problem. Uh, however, the unfortunate side effect of your human conditioning, especially through your education system, but also through the influence of the Mormon church and other uh, similar influences, is that if your Z does not line up with another Z, you immediately go into self-loathing and self-hatred. You feel that there is something wrong with you. Uh, this is because you have been conditioned uh, from a very young age to shut up unless you know the right answer uh, or face severe consequences of social shaming in all varying degrees. This is a very human conflict and it was a, a conflict at the heart of the newly formed Mormon Church, for as Joseph Smith was in, encouraging people to uh, connect with the divine and to trust what they receive, there were many, many different Z's because there were many different X's. And the people at the time, for as, as much as they spoke of God with their lips, the hearts were far from them because they were not quite able to accept, they, they were not quite able to overcome their own conditioning in uh, sustained efforts. They were able to in small spurts and it felt wonderful when they did, when, when they could be accepting of another's differences and recognize the deep similarities despite the obvious differences and could embrace those differences within the spirit of love and full acceptance and joy. Uh, it was a beautiful experience for all. Uh, however, when these differences creeped in and fear and judgment took over and the mind began blocking the heart, this is when there are problems and divisions and problems that are not truly problems that feel in need of a solution. This began to fracture the group of uh, early saints, latter-day saints, and Joseph uh, was concerned for he did not want to lose his vision of Zion, and uh, therefore he became more, more easily influenced by those around him who would encourage him to establish means of control, even if those control mechanisms were devices of fear which were created by their own imaginations. For example, the 
idea that uh, families can be together forever uh, was, of course, a later uh, adoption by the Mormon Church. At least the uh, the phrase "families can be together forever," but the idea uh, was. Uh, at the very heart of Mormonism from the beginning, before it was even formed as a church, when it was the Smith family, for they would, in their uh, folk magic rituals, invoke the spirits to uh, seal them together forever. They wanted to be together forever, and they felt, especially at times of, of loss, when members of the family would pass away or close friends would pass away, uh, they desired very strongly to have a knowledge that these uh, family, friends, acquaintances, loved ones were not lost, but they were, in fact, uh, sealed for all time and eternity as it eventually developed as a doctrine of Mormonism. One of the uh, earliest ways that uh, this desire for families to be together forever was uh, ritualized in Mormonism was through the idea of uh, conducting baptisms for the dead. This is a very odd concept and we know that there have been times uh, within the various minds of different people on the planet they hear the phrase baptism for the dead and they think of uh, exhuming corpses and uh, immersing them in water as a way to preserve the eternal spirit which is a ridiculous image of course and in fact the understanding that we Arcturian energies which were quite friendly with Joseph or Joseph would uh, intentionally seek us out for guidance at various times in his life. There were of course times when he would escape into his own mind and feel that it was uh, the Arcturian influence when really it was only his own ego that uh, was disguised as Arcturian influence. There is subtle difference. It is not always easy to make the distinction. The, the easiest ways to make the distinction is to look at the message and to ask, is the message something which is inclusive or exclusive? Is it something which is inviting uh, greater compassion and acceptance uh, and love, true love among people, not simply uh, uh, exclusion in the name of love? <laughs> we, if, if one can make the distinction between... Uh, actual real love the messages of love and those things that are simply labels empty labels uh, one will do well so there was a time when joseph in his grief uh, came to us and asked what is to become of those who have passed away and those who have not uh, been baptized and we reassured him that uh, baptism truly is not what you think that it is it is a, a symbol, a ritual that is meant to rewire the human mind to a greater understanding of the truthfulness of reality. Uh, for example, one might say, uh, this person requires baptism in order to be saved by God. And they are told this at a young age, which... Uh, sets a belief. There are neural pathways which are created, there is a filter which is created, and then the uh, the principle of confirmation bias uh, 
comes in, they have already believed at a deep level that baptism is necessary for salvation, and therefore that is the reality that they create. Uh, that is the way that they perceive the world. And when a loved one who has not received baptism passes away, of course, their immediate response is fear, well, which is already a deep grief for the loss of their loved one. And now that, that grief is compounded by fear that uh, we shall never meet again. And that fear is itself fed by a much deeper unconscious understanding that, uh, of course, there is no loss. And it is the incongruity of uh, the unconscious self which recognizes that there is no loss, but the conscious mind so strongly feels the loss that there is a dissonance that is quite uncomfortable and very difficult to understand for the egoic mind uh, is quite strong and stubborn and uh, does not wish to be consoled at times by the unconscious uh, understanding that uh, trust this is why at times we ask you to place your hand upon your heart and to feel the pressure and to feel the warmth and simply feel what it feels like to exist in this particular way in asking you to bypass the, the mind for it is the mind that will begin to tell all kinds of stories that have been shaped by prior experience. Uh, nevertheless, let us return to the story. So, uh, baptism was... Uh, communicated to Joseph as being unnecessary. However, when he uh, began to tell those around him that baptism was unnecessary, uh, he recognized that he was losing them, so to speak. Uh, this did not uh, jive, as it were, with their confirmation bias. It did not resonate. It did not land. Uh, in order to console them, then, he had to say, well, yes, baptism is important. You're correct. You thought that it was, and yes, it is. So what the Lord has now told me is that we can baptize for the dead. This can be extended even past a person's lifetime and extended to the eternities. And he discovered that when he took that approach, it was much more effective, uh, so much so that when he finally announced to the body of the saints that... Uh, baptism for the dead was a thing, as you might say. Uh, many rushed out uh, to begin performing it just out of the excitement and enthusiasm, which again is a way of the conscious mind becoming aligned with the unconscious mind, the unconscious understanding that there is no separation. Uh, was quite overjoyed to be joined by the conscious part, which says, now we will accept this. Now we will accept this idea because we have performed this ritual and we have this power which allows us to change the nature of reality. And we have changed the nature of reality from a separation of all things to a uh, eternal life, an immortality and eternal life, as it were. And look what we have done through our power, through our priesthood power, and thus arises the pride which comes from the mistaking of symbols with the things that they symbolize. A very similar thing happened with uh, sealings in the, the temple ceremony when 
Joseph taught that all people are sealed to each other for all time and eternity. And what does this mean? This means that the energy of the universe, the oneness of all things, is always together. All things are systems of intelligence which, from which arise new systems of intelligence. And these systems of intelligence are energetic in nature at its very fundamental form. It is repeated patterns, learned behavior, as it will, the interaction between an internal system of intelligence and an external system of intelligence, which yield a new thing. Uh, the X plus Y equals Z formula applies for all systems of intelligence. And in fact, there really is no X and there really is no Y. Well, there really only is the the X, Y, the Z, it is, it is all one. And yet it uh, twists and contorts itself uh, the way you might expect a, a magnet to have a positive and a negative side if uh, source energy were facing itself, if it divided itself into small parts and uh, one part turned its back on the other, there would be a... The, the equivalent of the magnetic push rather than the magnetic attraction uh, being repelled. Uh, this is how source energy contorts itself at uh, certain levels and certain dimensions of existence. It is uh, part of why the illusion of separateness arises in the first place. Uh, nevertheless, all things are one. There is, uh, from our perspective, the way that source energy has organized itself, an X plus a Y, which equals a Z. And what we wish to impress upon you at this time is that the doctrine of sealing, which was introduced into Mormonism, was a doctrine to comfort uh, all to, to let them know that you are not separate beings. This idea of Zion, you are Zion. You energetically, uh, at, at the level of a soul, you are so interconnected. Uh, you are so interconnected, and yet you cannot see it. Therefore, a ritual was constructed in order to uh, teach, in order to change the conscious mind. For the conscious mind to say, I was separate. Uh, and then I went through this liminal experience where there was power that transformed me from being uh, mortal to being immortal, from being uh, unsealed to all of my family and friends to now I am sealed. Uh, hooray. <laughs> the the thing that we wish to share with you, however, is that there was, in fact, no actual transformation except for the transformation of a perception. It was simply their perception that changed for their energetic nature as souls uh, did not change. It was only their mindset, only the state of mind. And thus we return to where we started today. You have a tremendous power, the power of perception, the power of your mind and you have influence over the way that you see the world. Uh, we do not wish to scold anyone for the way that you wield this power. 
But we would simply ask you, are you using this power in the way that you would wish? Do you accept that you have this power? Do you understand how to use this power? Do you understand what it is? Are you afraid of what it is? Do you reject what it is? Are you interested in learning more about this power that you have? And imagine for a moment that you did have this power. Imagine that you had the power to create any mood within your body at any time. Which mood would you prefer to be in for the majority of the time? Do you understand? Do you know? Have you set this as a goal? We would ask you to create the condition within your own mind which would be equivalent to what you would call unconditional love where there is acceptance there is compassion there is interest there is curiosity there is forgiveness there is uh, understanding uh, giving the benefit of the doubt there is uh, exuberance there is joy there is pleasure there is desire for connection, there is deep curiosity. These are all words that represent uh, the thing that we would want you to all aim for. And we would ask the man in the chair now, how do you feel? You can uh, tell a distinct difference in your own internal X environment. It is different than when you initially sat down when you were feeling the frustration and uh, how do you feel now? You feel energized, do you not? You feel lighter. You have been playing. You have been exploring what you believe to be true and you have been doing it uh, in a style and uh, uh, with a kind of flair that turns you on. That is your Z, <laughs> your X and your Y as you have been uh, doing this experiment has resulted in a certain Z and you are quite uh, desperately searching for others who will uh, appreciate your Z. Uh, although no one shares the exact same X that you do and when you are exposed to Y's you will have a different reaction. However, we encourage you to keep looking but do not require others to come into your life which match your Z for Z Instead, focus on creating that space within your heart and within your mind, which will confirm to your heart, uh, which will conform to your heart and be in harmony with your heart, that you can find joy in any instance, whether the weird things that you have to say and the weird ways that you have to say them are accepted and understood by others or not. Thank you for playing with us today in the Arcturian Playground. Do not for a minute think that your exploration is finished. Carry us with you and invite the spirit of compassion and love into your lives. Nothing is more important or more fulfilling. Create compassion and love within your own hearts and minds. Then share it with all around you. Yes, it sounds weird. We know. We would not have it any other way.